came to glorify His name. I came to glorify His name. Name of the Lord, I came to glorify. Oh, I came to glorify. I came. To came to glorify his name. That way he came to church this morning. Amen. Rising up, oh, rising up, as the New Testament church rising up, oh, rising up, rising up, as the New Testament church, oh, rising up, rising up. As I look out across the land, see God's mighty hand, the bride of Christ adorned in a wedding gown. Just like in the days of old, they stood in courage bold, they turned this whole world upside down. It's a New Testament church rising up. Oh, rising up. Yes, rising up. There's a New Testament church rising up. As the Bible played the tales, how the Holy Ghost fell, how signs and wonders were done by the apostles' hands. See, the spirits were cast out.
Testament church lies young. If you think it's all long gone and the miracles are done, I have some good news to bring to you. Oh, in the last days you're poor, have a spirit more and more, and like a mighty Are you part of that church that's rising up? Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. We see the wickedness of the world on the rise. We see Sodom and Gomorrah rising up. But there has to be a lot group that's going to be saved out of that. But there's an Abraham group. Amen. That's going to be changed in a moment and a twinkling of an eye. How many? Is that in your plans this morning? Oh, amen. Amen. We want to just go to the Lord in prayer. Amen. We have some needs. Sister Marie Lay is uh, having some after effects of COVID, asking for prayer this morning. Also, want to remember Sister Jenny Lay. She's, her feet and hands have started swelling pretty bad and don't really know what's going on. So, ask for prayer this morning. How many will have a need? You'll make it known to the Lord. Ask Brother Aaron if he'd come in. Open our service in prayer this morning. Let's just pray together. Let's go to Him. Gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, oh, what a privilege it is to be a part of that group that's rising up this morning, Lord. Lord, when the world is trying to hold everybody down, when the world is trying to push us down, Lord, there's a group being pulled by a power from above, Lord. Lord, and it's that power that's causing us to rise up, to rise above sin, Lord, to rise above wickedness, to rise above our own shortcomings. Lord God, a people, Lord Jesus, a bride rising up in this last day, Lord Jesus. Lord, overcoming every power of hell, overcoming every temptation of the enemy. Lord, we are rising up. And Lord, it's because of what you've done for us, Lord. Jesus, you died and you took our sins, Lord, and you... You took our shame and you buried it in the sea of forgetfulness and you sent back your Holy Spirit. Lord, that we could be filled with the same Spirit, Lord, that raised Christ from the dead. Lord, you sent a message in this day, Lord, to raise us out of the tombs of dark denominationalism, Lord. And because of that message, there is a spoken word bride that is rising up. Lord God, how wonderful it is, Lord, that you are our God and that we're able to be a part of that. We thank you for that privilege, Lord. We've gathered this morning to give you praise and thank you for all that you've done. Lord, for truly you are worthy of that praise. You're, you're worthy of our lives. You're worthy of all that we could ever give. Lord, and we've come this morning to do just that, to lift up the name above all names, to worship and praise you, Lord. Lord, we know that you inhabit the praises of your people. Lord, and we are here to give you our all. We recognize this morning that you are in our midst, that you are amongst us. Lord, and you are here to do mighty things. Lord, because where you are, the supernatural is present. So this morning, Lord, we are expecting healing. We are expecting salvation. We are expecting deliverances. Lord, because that's the things that you do. 
So, Lord, we're just looking with expectation for you to do the things that you promised. Lord, it's your word. It's your promise. Lord, we don't have to do it. We just have to believe. And we're here believing, Lord. We're here trusting, knowing that you today, Father, will fulfill your word. Lord, I'm asking, Lord, for the request read across the desk this morning. Lord, for Sister Lay there, Lord, was struggling with the after effects of COVID. Lord, we thank you for bringing her through the COVID. Lord, we appreciate that, Lord. We give you the glory for it. We're just asking now that you'll bring the total, complete deliverance from it. Lord, how it tries to linger and the effects on our body, Father. But, Lord, we're asking today that the healing angel of God will just go by our way. Lord, strengthen her and raise her from that, Lord. Our sister Jenny Lay. Lord, with the swelling feet and swelling hands, Lord, whatever the cause of that may be, Lord, we curse it today in the name of Jesus. We curse it and we just ask, Lord, that her body return to normal and not just the symptoms, but the very cause of it will go now in the name of Jesus. Lord, for your bride around this world, Lord, Lord, I pray you'll be with them today. Meet with each one in a mighty way. Speak to each heart, Lord. Lord, you know every need represented in this building you've already provided. Lord, we're here to receive today, Lord, but not just only to receive, but we're here to give back. We're here to give a sacrifice of worship, Father. Lord, I pray every song be sung with our whole heart. I pray you accept, Lord, each and every part of this service and then anoint the man of God, Lord, to bring the word this morning. Lord, we know and expect it'll go straight to the mark. Lord, we all have needs, Lord. I'm asking today that the word be the discerner that it always is. Lord, and we will receive it with an open heart. Lord, I pray you speak to each one, each individual need this morning. Have your way, Lord, from the very beginning to the end. May this be a time, Lord, that you move. Lord, we know you will. We surrender all. We give you all this morning. And we put it in your hands now, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Some glad morning we shall see Jesus in the air. Amen. God bless you today. Amen. Let's just worship the Lord. Some glad morning we shall see Jesus in the air Coming out to you and me Joy is ours to share What rejoicing there will be Heading for that jubilee Under the sky Oh, what singing Oh, what shouting On that happy morning with me all
appreciate it you know this morning we don't have any songs that was been turned in for special so I like these services I get to call who I want to up. so instead of just picking on one person we'll pick on a lot of people amen so we'll ask the adult choir to come and sing I got a name written in glory amen <laughs> amen they don't need practice they're good amen how many's got that name written in glory and it's mine Amen. We can just go ahead and sing this again. Victory is mine as they get ready. Oh, victory is mine. Victory is mine. Victory today is mine. I told Satan, get thee behind. Oh, victory today is mine. I am covered. Oh, I am covered. Covered. I'm covered by his blood. Walking by faith, living in love, I am covered, covered, I'm covered by his blood. Jesus has risen, oh, sing it again. I am covered, covered, covered by his blood. Walking by faith, living in love, I am covered, covered, covered by his blood. Jesus has rescued. It's in the name of Jesus. It's in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Oh, yes, Lord. It's in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Demons will have to flee. Oh, when we come in the name of Jesus. 
praise offering. The I am said who I am. How many know who you are? Because Not because I said so. Not because Brother Joe, Brother Tim, or any other minister said so. But he said so. He said I'm free. He said I'm delivered. He said I'm healed. He said I'm his. We got some rejoicing to do. I don't know. Might as well just sing another verse of that. Amen. I got a name written. I got something to rejoice about. I got something to praise God about. My name's not written on a billboard somewhere. My name's written in glory. Hallelujah. And there's something about that name that's written there. There ain't nothing the devil can do to take it off. Jesus opened my eyes, now I can see the light. I'm so glad he changed me, now I'm walking free. I've got the victory, it's all over me. I'm so glad he changed me, see I'm now a new creation in Christ. The old has gone, there's no
man, he bought me with a price. I'm his and he's mine. Hallelujah. Amen. To be able to say he's mine means there is a union that is taking place, a marriage that is going on. Amen. Because he's mine and I'm his. Amen. And he said, I will be your God and you will be my people. It's going to be everything a God is. Healer, deliverer, savior, amen. Peace giver, amen. Counselor, mighty God, everlasting father. Of his government, there will be no end. Amen. He'll be God over all. Amen. Government's on his shoulder. Amen. And he puts you here to rule and reign with him. Amen. What a privilege it is to serve him this morning. Amen. Isn't it just good to be in the house of the Lord? Amen. Brother Tim, Sister Nancy, Kayla, we're happy to have you today. We welcome you home. Amen. God bless you. Been a long journey, but you're back. Amen. Amen. So I'll just tell you, any seat in the house, you just pick it out. Amen. Tell somebody else, just move over. Amen. We have no claims to a special spot. In fact, these two rows right here, two sections right here in the front will, will be reserved for the young people this Easter meetings. And so we'll try to fill up the mezzanine, the outer edges there with some of the adults. And if you're worried about COVID, stay home. Amen. Just stay home. Right. Amen. You can stream. You won't catch it there. <laughs> Maybe. Amen. But you might catch something better here. You might get a good dose of the Holy Ghost. I wouldn't miss. Wow. <laughs> this ain't going to be no weekend to go to Pettigene. Or camping or fishing or hunting or whatever else. It's going to be a time to be in the house of God. In fact, I don't know if there is a weekend for them other things. As we get closer, we should even, even so more gather together, even as the Bible said, assemble ourselves together, even as we see that day approaching. It's time to get serious with God. It's time to put everything we have. You miss one service, you'll miss Jesus because he's going to be here. Amen. He's going to be here in our services I'm sure he'll be here for you today. Amen. How many's got a need in your life? Would you like to lift up a hand toward God? Amen. May the Lord meet your need today. Let's talk to him just a moment. Jesus, we're your children and we've gathered in your name. How we appreciate you, Lord, and how we glorify your name because you are worthy. We thank you, Lord, that you always keep your appointments. You told us to gather here because you were going to be here. We have come obeying today. Lord, we have come. Many of us have jerked our tired frame up, some with sickness in their body. Some that cancer has racked their body and other ailments has troubled them. 
and they have jerked their body up and made it obey the Word of God and come to church. I pray you'll honor that, Lord, today. I pray you'll honor it by there being healing in the house, miracles in this house, deliverance for your people. Lord, that the chains of darkness will be taken off of lives and there will be a, a deliverance among your people everywhere. Even those that are under the sound of my voice that will be streaming in. Those that can't be here for one reason or another. Lord, those that are in outlying areas, those that are, are elderly among us that aren't able to come and they're shut in. Lord, I pray that you'll meet their need. I pray that you'll speak to them in a very special way. Lord, they're, they're not doing this because of own, their own pleasure or their own likings, but because of their age, because of, uh, of ailments in their body. And I just pray, God, you'll reach out. Lord, you'll reach out to those outlying areas down in Manning where the Stankies are, up in Arkansas where the Hollises are. Lord, the different other places around the world, wherever they are, the shut-ins, the sick, the needy. Lord, may a message come to them today that you're here among us delivering your people. And I pray, Lord, that we'll see that Satan like lightnings falls from heaven. You'll give us triumphant, triumphant power over every enemy to tread upon every serpent. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Let's turn to Revelation chapter 1. We read from verse 1. This morning, Revelation chapter 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John, who bear record of the word of God, and of the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all things that he saw. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Amen. Last week I was at a wedding. Isaiah Pruitt got married to Melody Green and they're now happily married and we was able to go and perform that wedding. I want to thank you, those of you that were with me and who attended service with us. And bless us with your presence there as we spoke to the group there, um, Brother Bryce Collins and, uh, in Claremore, Oklahoma. We had a wonderful time in the Lord together there, some really great time of fellowship. And uh, we certainly appreciated the presence of God coming down. We had literally saw prodigals come home, amen, and we saw others that reconsecrated their life to God and Others who received a miracle of healing or deliverance, God was with us. And then, of course, I listened to the service Sunday, and I tell you, you wouldn't want to miss that for the world. Amen. We were blessed abundantly by Brother Aaron's ministry. And this week coming up, we'll have some very special guests as we will have Brother... Brother Danny Steeman, Brother Andrew Spencer, there's the ones that we have announced that will be here to minister here, and, and uh, we're just looking for a great time in the Lord, and believing God's going to do miraculous things, amen. So we won't have a Wednesday night service, but we will have um, starting Friday at 7 and then 11, and um, what time are we making that? Five, is it? On, on, 
on Saturday, and, um, and then we'll have it at 11 again on Sunday. So got some, just some power-packed meetings coming up, and I'll tell you what, if you'll just empty yourself out, God will fill you up. Amen. Just find a little more of yourself and your own will and your own pride and your own ambitions, your own any kind of sin, any kind of darkness. Let the Lord just deal with you. Amen. Empty up so that you can receive a lot. Amen. I believe that we are going to receive something very packed down and filled up and overflowing. And speaking of that, we are expecting an overflowing crowd. And so... Um, we have tried to keep this um, meeting not, uh, not really announced because um, we are just trying to uh, keep the numbers limited. But the good news is, for all this even came into materialize and the meeting came, we had the governor uh, lift all the restrictions on religious meetings so we can have as many as we can get in here. Yeah. Amen. And I just pray that the Lord will send those who he foreordained. Amen. We're not asking for any more to come, but we are saying that those that come, we're, we're hoping to accommodate them. Amen. And we're looking for a good time in the Lord. My, what a mighty God we serve. When I think of what he's doing, when I think about his healing power and how he's healing and the expectation of his people rising, and when I think about the satanic forces and the evil that is coming to our country and to our land and an increase of darkness upon the earth, it means that the Holy Spirit is lifting from the earth. The Bible said, he that now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. And of course, he being the Holy Spirit, which Brother Branham said, he even translated that as he or she be taken out of the way, speaking of the bride, because when the bride leaves, uh, she leaves as the Holy Spirit leaves. And you don't want to be left here. You want to be a part of the ascending. Amen. As we see a world that is falling, a falling world, a fallen nature, fallen man. We want to be a part of those that are ascending. Amen. In your experience, you should pray, Lord, help me to rise up a little higher. Amen. To, you know, to... to um, to move into realms beyond where that you've ever walked before and let God um, take you on an Enix walk where you take another step higher, another realm higher. This is a walk, and so it is a step-by-step. Step. And wherever you are, don't be, don't be happy where you're at. Man, some of you maybe came to repentance just the other day. Looking out here, seeing Christian. Amen. Come to repentance the other day. It's a great move. Wonderful thing. Good, great move that you made toward God. But don't stop there. Amen. Wherever you are in your walk, don't stop there. It's not a stopping place. Don't put a period. Keep moving. Amen. And asking God to do more in your life. Amen. Now, I don't care if you've been a Holy Ghost filled person for 50 years, been in the message for 50 years, and embrace this truth. Ask God for a, a renewal of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Have a greater expectation for more than what you've ever received. The experience that you had to be a greater experience. Expect to see the angel of God. Amen. Expect to witness his presence. Expect to see the pillar of fire. 
Expect to receive the pillar of fire. Amen. Expect him to come and move over your life and separate you from darkness or sickness or disease or whatever it is. Come with a great expectation. If we'd do that with every service, there ain't no telling what would happen. Amen. And I believe that people are, I, I believe our, our level of expectation is rising. And as you're realizing it's not time to play church anymore, but it's time to really get serious with God. Amen. And so, you know, I, I, we just had a man here this week that drove all the way up from Indiana and came in the services with us because he's hungry. Amen. He sees that there's something that, that, that you have that he doesn't have. And he's a pastor of a little church, but he wants more of God. And I say, glory to God for that. Amen. May God move on hungry hearts no matter where they are. And stir those hearts and bring that bride to attention. As I said, you might have been in the message 40 years, 50 years, whatever it's been. You know, that, uh, you don't get any gold medals for that. Be many of them left behind. They started out and they, they, they relaxed and got cold and got indifferent. Got indifferent toward God. And that shows up in your, your attendance to church, your attitude toward Christ. Your, it shows up in every aspect of your Christian walk. So I'm just, I'm just encouraging you to step up today and to look into the promise. Today we're going to be speaking on sent and signified by his angel. If you noticed in the book of Revelation, it told us that he sent and signified or made it known by his angel unto his servant John. If you look at that word signified, you see part of it is sign. Sign is the first part of that word signified. So that word, it means that, that, it, that there is a sign that is sent by his angel. He sent and signified it by his angel. You see, it wouldn't do Moses any good to go down and say an angel appeared to me in a burning bush unless he had a sign proving it. It wouldn't do any good for William Branham to come and say God met me when an angel of God stepped out of a light unless that there were signs that followed that proved that the angel was present. Now, and so, again, it was, it's, he sent and signified it by his angel. And, and the book of Revelation was brought to John by the angel. It was the revelation of Jesus Christ uh, sent and made known by his angel. This is very important that you look at this because throughout the Bible, it was the angel that brought the word of God to the prophets. The Bible is God's inspired word sent and signified by his angel. The Bible would say um, that the scriptures were written as the men of God were moved by the Holy Ghost. So we have returned to the homeland. This is what we have been speaking about for some time now, the return back to the homeland. And in this homeland of the Bible, it is a place where the word of God is revealed by the angel to the prophet. Amen. How different we are from denominations who look to their headquarters and their schools of divinity as their alma mater. You know, alma mater is a Latin word for blessed mother. 
the thing that provides nourishment. And so, unlike denominations, our alma mater is the Bible. And if we're going to understand the symbols in the book of Revelation, it will have to be made known to us by the same angel that brought it to John. Are you with me? Amen. Now, we're not able to ask John, what was it that the thunders uttered? We need to know. We're here in the end time, and John, we need to know. We're not able to ask him that because John, uh, we know, has been dead long ago. And so, again, but, but the angel that brought the message is still here. Amen. The mighty angel swore in Revelation 10 that it would not always be shrouded in mystery. In fact, the angel has been seen in that scripture of Revelation 10. It's viewed with his hand raised toward the heavens. And he is swearing with his hands raised up, making a sworn declaration as he swears by himself, or he can swear by no one greater. And he's invoking, by doing this, he's invoking all the powers of heaven saying all of heaven is behind this, that he himself is the guarantor of the promise, that the time of delay of this mystery is now finished. Isn't it wonderful we can announce today that we are no longer in the half an hour of silence? For the time of silence where God held back mysteries of seven thunders and mysteries of those seals and the symbols and the mysteries of uh, the church ages and the journeys of the church. And God held back all of these mysteries. Uh, but now the time of silence is over. Amen. But we're in a time now where the prayers are being answered. Where all the prayers that has been released by the pouring out of the incense and you know, under the seventh seal. When the seventh seal is open, the incense is poured out upon the altar and mixed with the prayers of the saints. No longer are they being held up about his coming. John would say, even so come Lord Jesus. The prayers of the saints down to the ages have asked for his coming. But we're in a day where they are now mixed with incense. Even when you pray for his coming today, they are mixed with the incense off of the altar and they ascend immediately into God's presence because we're living in the age and the time where they're not being held up. Amen. But it's a time where the prayers are now being answered. Hallelujah. He is answering that prayer by reaching out and calling in the prodigal. He is reaching out to prayer and answering that prayer by reaching out and finding the last predestinated seed. He is answering that prayer by bringing an atmosphere of faith that will heal our bodies so we can believe in the change of our bodies. Amen. God is answering prayer like he's never done in any other generation. This is a solemn hour. This is a serious time. And he says, he shows that all of heaven is now behind this promise. He swears by him that liveth forever and ever a declaring an oath. I'm not going to stop. There's not going to be any more delay. 
I'm not going to hold this back for another age. I'm not going to withhold from this generation the mysteries of God. I'm going to make them known. There's going to be a people that know their God and do exploits. Are you hearing me? It means that there's no more delay or holding back of the finishing of redemption uh, and the tearing off of the seals that held the book of title closed. It's all over. Having a sealed book is finished. Amen. Amen. We're in the day of the unsealed book. Amen. Having a promise closed off to us is over with. Amen, because we are now the age, we are now the generation for all the mysteries of God to be fulfilled in a people. Now, this message did not come from seminaries or from the guesswork of men. It didn't come by probing in the book, as Brother Brandon would illustrate. It is not the mastermind of theologians. Instead, God is his own interpreter. It is being sent and signified by his angel. Now, in the Godhead Explained, Brother Branham talks about this because we, we have come to a time where there's all kinds of what looks like contradictions and one man says it's this and another says it that and they've built, they have built denominations over every little frivolous things. may not realize it, but you know, there is actually a denomination of the, of the, of the, of the you know, over whether Adam had a navel or not. All kinds of denominations have been formed. Sex, pulling away, ideas of man, claiming to have the revelation. Are you with me? But these contradictions come up. And Brother Bradham said, but then I go before God to find out. And the same angel that meets me in the meeting in the night is the same one who taught me the Godhead. All of these contradictions, things that are in the Bible, things that are made known, have been sent and signified to us by his angel. So that you would not be wondering, was this just another man's idea? Well, is this just another man we are following? No, it is sent and signified by his angel. You know, why so? Why come back to the Bible is taught by the angel of the covenant? Because it is a time for the mysteries to be made known. In Daniel 12 and 9, he said, Go thy way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed until the time of the end. Many shall be purified and be made white and tried, but the wicked shall do wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand, but the wise shall understand. So he tells us there is an understanding that will come in the last day that will purify the believers. Are you with me? Amen. Not only that, but they're closed up and sealed until the end time because it's at the end time that this is all to come to pass and to be made known. Now, you can figure it out how you want to, but there has to come an end time. There has to come a fulfillment of the promises. Amen. You know, it would grind real slow, but sure, but they finally, it had to come. All of the Old Testament had to head up in that one man, Jesus. 
And it's ground slow but sure through seven church ages. But all the promises has got a head up in a bride. Are you with me now? And down to the Old Testament, it was always the word of God sent and signified by his angel. Daniel understood by books the number of years that Jerusalem would be desolated. He could go and read the Bible, and he could see that the time was near, but yet even though he had the book, he still needed the touch of the angel. In Daniel 9, 21, yea, while I was speaking in prayer, even the man Gabriel, whom I'd seen in the vision at the beginning, caused to fly swiftly, touched me about the time of the evening oblation. And he informed me and talked with me and said, Oh, Daniel, I am come forth to give thee skill and understanding. Now, notice he had, he had books. He had the books of Jeremiah. He had a Bible. Come on. Amen. He could read the Bible, but he wasn't getting the full understanding. He wasn't getting the full purpose of God until he got touched by an angel. And when the angel touched him, he said, I have come to bring you this touch to give you skill and understanding. This understanding would come not from the schools in Babylon, not from the chief of Nebuchadnezzar's team that ruled his ministry and his government and governors. It wouldn't come from his educators. It would come by the angel. This touch would illuminate Daniel's eyes to things so he would write the book of Revelation of the Old Testament, the book of Daniel. He would record what the angel said. Now, even in the days of Jesus, it was a Logos revealing the word. Amen. I said in the days of Jesus, it was still the Logos, the pillar of fire revealing the word. The angel of the covenant became Jesus Christ. Amen. For the Father, the eternal spirit, dwelt in the flesh body of Jesus Christ. And it was the Father, the creator of his body that dwelt in him, that taught him. He was a man who could say, I have been taught by my father. My teaching was not a man. He said in John 7, 16, my doctrine is not mine, but his that sent me. In John 8, 28, but as my father had taught me, I speak these things. He would speak things not of what he learned from his mother's knee. Not what wisdom he learned from man. Even they would marvel and say, where did this man get this wisdom? He didn't learn this from us, it's obvious. He don't agree with what we're teaching. So he didn't get it from us, but where did he get all of this knowledge? And Jesus answered that, my doctrine is not mine, but his that sent me. As my father taught me, I speak these things. So the word, the logos, the pillar of fire, the eternal spirit, the father gave the message. He was the same one who gave the word on Mount Sinai to Moses. He was the one who taught doctrine to Jesus. He's the one who gave it to Paul. As we have been through it in Galatians 1.11, but I certify, I guarantee you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached to me is not after man. 
For neither was I, neither I received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by revelation of Jesus Christ. There in the presence of the pillar of fire, in the body form that Jesus is now, because he's not here on earth in the body form of the man of Galilee, in that human form, but he's here in the form he was in before he became flesh. And that is, he is here in the form of a pillar of fire. And that pillar of fire would meet Paul and teach him. And he said, I got this by revelation. This man had never met Jesus personally. He had never been taught of him on the Sea of Galilee. He had never entered into a fishing boat with him and learned the parables and understanding. He had never heard from the lips of Jesus like that, but he received the gospel pure and true from a pillar of fire, and he would write the New Testament, and he would say, I certify you, brethren. I did not even confer with the disciples. I didn't learn this from them. I learned this in the presence of a pillar of fire and you have a Bible today that is written by the pillar of fire. In the presence of the pillar of fire, that light who identified himself as Jesus, Paul wrote these epistles of the New Testament and it would be there he would divide law from grace. It wasn't that circumcision was done away with. It was that the type was fulfilled by the antitype. Amen. Amen. That the true circumcision would come of the heart instead of of the flesh. It wasn't that the Sabbath was done away with, but that it was no longer a day of the week that you meet, but it was now, it was now a Sabbath rest that you enter into by the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It again, it was not that the lamb and that the blood of the lamb was no longer needed, but now the greater lamb had come. Amen. And so, you know, it would be Paul who would write and he said, this is better. This is better than what they had there. This is a greater prophet because this is the God of the prophets. This is a greater than Aaron because this is Melchizedek. This is greater than the, than the law and the priesthood and the Aaronic priesthood because now we have a priesthood that will never die. Whoever liveth to make intercession on the behalf of those that seek him. Now, that same pillar of fire that gave the message to Moses on Mount Sinai taught doctrine to Jesus and revealed truth to Paul. And he's the same one who restores the message to the last church age. Amen. Amen. Now, we know there's been a falling away. The scripture bears that there would be a falling away. Paul said it. He said, I fear that the church will do like Eve and she will be deceived and beguiled through her subtlety, through his subtlety. And there she will be, she will lose her virginity. And John would pick this up and he would see her as a great whore, a fallen woman. Come on. Amen. Who rejected her marriage and, and being true to her husband and took in the seeds of other men. Somebody with me? This is the great whore in the book of Revelation because the book of Revelation is really about two women. Right? 
when you sum it all up, it's really about two women, the whore who started out, the first Eve who started out, amen, who fell away, and, amen, God's bride, who is a virgin bride, a people without spot or wrinkle, and the marriage of the Lamb has come, for his wife hath made herself ready. Two women. We're in the time of restitution of all things. Peter would declare this when he would say, Jesus cannot return until the times of restitution of all things. It's the time of restoration to bring us back to the faith that was once delivered to the saints. Now, why not just allow it then to come through a trained, revered theologian? I mean, you know, they, they have their schools, they have their knowledge, they have their ideas. You know, why not just let it come through a trained, revered theologian? Because they are the ones who messed it up with human understanding. This is why we got the confusion today. Amen. And it didn't take long when the disciples were all gone for them to take and, and distort the gospel. They were doing it even when Paul was there. And in fact, he would say to the Galatians, he said, who hath bewitched you? Amen, that you depart from the truth to another gospel. Who hath bewitched you? He actually saw it as a bewitching evil spirit that had taken over the church of Galatia. He would see it already. Even even John would say, "Uh, the Antichrist is already among you now. Paul would see it coming. He said, I see it as a man of sin sitting in the church, in the temple of God, and he's showing himself that he is God. He's telling everybody that he's God, and he's sitting in the temple of God. He's a man of sin instead. Now, now of course, you know, why, why not give it to a trained, revered theologian? Because it would break God's design and program of the way he does things. Amen. He never has done it with a theologian, ever. He sins and signifies it through his angel. Amen. Now, you know, you can argue whether it's angels or not or whether angel ministries or not. Everybody knows that William Branham was, was a man who was accompanied by an angel. He was set apart from all the other divine healers that had come along as impersonators after him. He was set apart because this man had an angel with him. Amen. This man, ever service, the angel would show up. This man, ever service, the angel would heal the sick. The angel would discern the hearts. The angel would tell their addresses and their names and where they come from. The angel was present in every meeting. Because why? God was sending and signifying it by his angel. Amen. Yes, William Branham was an earthly angel, but there was a greater angel that was with him that said that made him an angel or a messenger. You cannot explain it any other way than there was an angel. 
You can take his thoughts and say, well, they're distortions. You can take his thoughts and say they were imagination. But when you discern the thoughts of the intents of the heart like no man can do and only the word can do, you, all of that goes out of the window. Amen. All your arguments fade away. Amen. Amen. No, you know, it would break God's design and program of the way he did things if God used a theologian. He sends it and signifies it by his angel. Now, so, you know, it was theologians that turned baptism from the name of Jesus to titles. It was a Catholic church theologian, Tertullian, that changed the truth of the Godhead into three persons. That God, that Jesus was one that was in the Godhead, not that, as the Bible said, the fullness of the Godhead was in Jesus. As Brother Bradham said in the first seal, I wanted to share this with you. Brother Kalen Singh shared this with me last Sunday or last week after I preached here. He said, as we study this chapter, we're referring different places, even the Old and New Testament alike, because the entire book is the revelation of Jesus Christ. That is altogether the revelation of the Lord Jesus, the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's God revealing himself in the book, revealing himself to Christ in the book. And Christ is the revelation of God. He come to reveal God because he and God were the same. God was in Christ reconciling the world himself. In other words, you'd never know just what God was until he revealed himself to, through Christ. Then you can see. I used to think years ago that maybe God was angry with me, but Christ loved me. And I come to find out it's the same person, see. Christ is the very heart of God. Amen. Now, can't you see then why there is a need? Because we have 40,000 different interpretations of the Bible upon which men have denominated. All of them taught by man, and not one of them, not one of them teaching Paul's gospel. Amen. So if we're going to have Paul's gospel restored again, it must be restored by the angel. Amen. By Jesus, the pillar of fire, come on. The pillar of fire himself, it can't come through human understanding of the Bible. It can't come by simply sitting down and doing a verse-by-verse study. It's going to take a revelation from the angel. Or it'll never become clear. Are you with me? And Brother Brennan said it's by the help of the angel that the truths of this message was given. Amen. Speak to this mountain. He said, one time I read in the Bible about hell. And I began to read the word hell. Comes from the word Hades, which means the grave. And I I was about three or four years, I wouldn't preach on the subject of hell. Because one place it looked like a burning fire, and the next place was the grave. Until I found the truth of it. And then when I got to know exactly what it was, and by help of the angel of the Lord that revealed it to me, because I didn't get any schooling, and I just hold on to a scripture and pray and search the scripture until he comes and reveals it to me. When he stands before me in that light that you see on that picture and reveals it, it every time is perfect with the scripture through and through. That's the reason I know it's the angel of the Lord, because he bears record of the word. 
Come on now, church. Amen. He don't bear record of a denomination, but he bears record of the word. Amen. It agrees with the Bible. It doesn't matter what it is. What we believe comes from the book written by the angel. Amen. This is where it comes from. This is where our message lays. Amen. This was shown to the prophet of God in the Bible. He didn't use quotes of William Branham to prove what he believed. Amen. He used the Bible. Words that were spoken by an angel to prophets down through the ages. And that's how he proved what he believed. Somebody with me now. And he said, the reason I know it's angel of the Lord because he bears record of his word. And if the angel told me one thing that wasn't scriptural, I wouldn't believe him. Amen. It has to be with the word first. God's word is eternal. It's, it has to. Because uh, an angel could come pre- preach something else. Paul said that wasn't right, but if it's the word of God, the angel of God will verify that word every time to be the truth if it's a true angel of, from the Lord. If it's something off of color, then don't listen to it. But if an angel comes and speaks and says just exactly what the word says, then that angel's from God. Amen. That's right. Amen. Now, so you see, that's why he could talk about, he said, in the, in the Revelation, he said, uh, series, he said, what was being revealed? What is the revelation of redemption? How was we redeemed? Just look at the past few years at what happened. The revelation of the name of Jesus in water baptism. Is that Bible or isn't it? It's the only way anybody ever baptized was in that name. Amen. The revelation of no eternal hell. Now, there is an eternal fire because God is a consuming fire and he's eternal. Amen. But no one will have eternal life in the fire, in the lake of fire. Eternal life is only for believers. It's God's own life, immortal life. So no one can burn eternally in hell. They might burn a thousand years, 10,000 years. There probably will be degrees in hell. Amen. There would probably be some that burned just 10 minutes. They didn't do much. There may be some that burns a thousand years. They'll suffer a long time. There may be others until the last enemy is destroyed. That's death. And death and hell will find its place. That's hell is the grave there. Death and the grave will find its place in the lake of fire. Amen. And the last enemy will be destroyed, and that is death. So you see, there again, he will, he will watch. He will be there watching all his subjects, all his children, all the ones that he deceived, everything, all of his kingdom come right down to the end. Come on. You know, it's like, well, it's like Manasseh in the Bible who rebelled against um, ba- Babylon and king, the king there took him and incarcerated him, but he did something else. He did and killed all his children, all his wife, everybody, all, his, all of his leaders. He took them and killed them before his eyes. Then he put his eyes out. Amen. And the last enemy is going to be destroyed is Satan himself. 
And he'll watch every one of his subjects destroyed. All of his children burned. He'll see everyone that he deceived annihilated. The soul that sinned, the Bible said, shall die. But he's going to die too. He'll be the last. He'll burn the longest. He'll be tortured the most. Like Manasseh there, there, there watching his children die. He'll be the last. Let's go to Isaiah 12 just for a minute. I wouldn't go and go here, but go to Isaiah 12. I mean, loves the word of God. Amen. You believe it? Yes. Amen. Well, the book of Isaiah tells us of this very same thing. Isaiah chapter 12. Read with me. We find here of Lucifer. This is the enemy coming down to his end. Isaiah 12. What scripture am I looking for? Hang on just a minute. Sometimes you need your glasses. Amen. I'm going to get this. Hang on just a second. I'm going to get it. I hope you love the Lord today. Amen. Because his word is the truth. Amen. Isaiah 14, verse 13. There we are. Isaiah 14, verse 13. For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend unto heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. Now, here's what he says. I'm going to sit in the church. The church will be my church. The, 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 I'll be, be in the mount of the congregation the sides of the north. In Mount Zion, in the sides of the north, is the city of the great king, the psalmist said. And Satan says, I'm going to take the church. And I'm going to rule from there. I'll sit on the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. Next verse. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. You see this one? You see the self-exaltation? You see this one rising up, trying to put himself above everything? Look at him now, this angel who, does it, who falls from his estate because this rising causes fall to become a devil. The next verse. He said, yea, thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. Amen. Next verse. And they that see thee shall narrowly look upon thee and consider thee, saying, Is this the man that made the earth to tremble, that did shake the kingdoms? Look back at that verse again. They that see thee shall narrowly look upon thee. I'm going to be there. That devil that is called sickness, that devil that is called pain, that devil that's caused divorces and families and ruined her and her family that, that took and pushed alcohol and dope and every other filthy thing to 
prostitution and all the evil in the world, that devil of politics, amen, that devil that caused all the strife and all the trouble in the world, one day you're going to stand on the brink and look down upon him and look narrowly and consider and say, is this the man? Is this the one that caused this sickness and this trouble and separated children and brought sin and wickedness? Is this the one that made the earth to tremble, that did shake the kingdom? that made the world a wilderness, that destroyed the cities thereof. And all the kings, listen, is this the one? You see, we're going to have the last laugh. Might as well go to laughing now, because you're going to have the last one too. Come on now. Amen. The revelation of no eternal hell. He said, never was known before. Thinking your loved ones would be, would be for eternal. You can't have eternal life unless you're saved. Right. You've got eternal life, then you can't be burned in hell. For eternal, you, you can be punished, you'll be punished for your sins with your natural life, but you're not, you cannot have eternal life in hell. You got eternal life, then you cannot burn forever because there's only one form of eternal life. And I'm sure the church understands that. Now, what is it? What other things? The plan of redemption. Just look what's been given to us lately by the Holy Spirit. See, Abraham's seed, what the revelation meant. The serpent seed. See, the book of Revelation. Watch when we get to it, how it just peels off. And I proved it by the scripture. That's exactly the truth. I go plumb back in Genesis and pick it up and show when that seal opened it. Come right back through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. And just think, from Genesis to Revelation, there was nobody baptized in the name of Father and Son and the Holy Ghost. It's a false baptism. We're talking about things that was revealed by the angel. It's not hard to see about water baptism. Even Brother Branham even said in the church, his book don't require revelation. It's so written plainly in the Bible how to baptize because there's not one example in the Bible where anyone was ever baptized in titles of Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Every person that was baptized in the Bible where baptism was applied was baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And the serpent seed has been from Genesis. People want to talk about the serpent seed, what we believe. Let me tell you, that was taught by an angel. Come on. And the angel was there. He knew what the sin in the garden was. Exactly right. When he said, I'll put enmity between you and the serpent seed. You can't deny that there's a serpent seed. The Bible said there is one. I'll put enmity between you, Eve, and the woman's seed and the serpent seed. Is that right? Amen. So if the serpent seed was a myth, so is Christ a myth because he was that seed. Amen. And so, so is the church a myth. See, it's, you can't separate the serpent out of seed. And that's the one that really strikes them. Why? They can't understand it because they don't have the revelation of it. And he said, why won't they come and argue with me? Pulpits open all the time. I'd meet anybody. I wouldn't argue with them, but I'd sure discuss it with them. If they want, I'd ask them to come before the the association. 
I, I, I asked them right there before the association, I want some of you to tell me where it's wrong. Don't stand off in a corner and talk about me about it. Come up to my face and stand. Let's have it real. Let's come up here and let's see who's right and wrong on it. But they won't tackle it. Frankly, he says, they know better. Because not me, but it's the Holy Spirit, that very angel of God that you see. What about these days here when all these things taking place and this angel Lord standing near? I wouldn't know these things, but it's the hour is here. And when we get through those seven spirits, the seven horns and things today, if the Lord willing, you'll see where it's at. It's the hour that, we're, that these revelations are supposed to come. It's the book of Revelation, the revealing of Jesus Christ. And we find out the very first chapter, he revealed who he was. He's getting the seven seals, revealing how he redeemed the earth. One of them was by the name of Jesus Christ. The other was taking the fear out of the people like eternal redemption, um, justification by faith, sanctification, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Like we sang today, there's a name written in glory. And it's mine. But when was it wrote? Come on. Amen. Not when you come down the altar, but before the foundational world, he wrote your name there. Amen. God chose you then. I'm glad he did it because, you see, something I could have done might have got his disfavor and he would unchoose me. But God did it before the world began. He chose me knowing I was a sinner. He chose me knowing my fault. He chose me with my situations that I had to go through. He chose me before the foundation of the world, before I breathed the first breath. He chose me, and he ordained me to be an overcomer. So therefore, we're eternally secured. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Taking all the doubts away from the people. God wants you to be sure of your salvation. If you've got the earnest of your salvation, God has already sealed you to the day of redemption. Amen. Ephesians 4.30 says, Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God where you're sealed into the day of redemption. Now listen, many, many things that we could talk about the angel. The angel, the angel, the angel, the angel revealed. But let me tell you something. Even after this list of things that he just went through, God wasn't finished. In the book of Revelation, there are seven spirits of God or seven manifestations of one Holy Spirit represented by the seven spirits of God. There would be in our day, are you with me? Supernatural things that would happen. This is a time that heaven is opened. That things from, that from the dimensions there are happening in these dimensions here. That heaven is coming down, amen, to bring a bride out of here. So the seven mighty angels would come from glory representing the seven spirits of God. Notice when John saw the book, it was a closed book. It was sealed tight with seven seals, but the lamb in heaven has moved by taking the book and loosening the seals in order to bring about the fullness of redemption so that there could be a rapture. 
So you're living in a day where the angels of God are concerned about this generation, about you living here in this time. And he's come to touch your life. Amen. In some ways, every one of you have been touched by the angel. Maybe, maybe not you personally, but your family. That's why you're here. Your mama, your dad, your brother, your sister, somebody was touched by that angel and came back and witnessed to you. I have been touched and I have been given wisdom and understanding that I could not get from a denomination. Hallelujah. Amen. The seals being opened in order to bring the fullness of redemption. Now, what if we had just had another theologian with another chart or just a book written by a smart, educated man? Well, first of all, if he was from Yale, then Harvard wouldn't receive him. And if he was from this one, Loyola, then of Divinity College, then he wouldn't be received by the Methodists. And if he had, if he come from this and and God didn't choose any of them. Look at what he did. He bypassed, even in Jesus' day, Pharisees, Sadducees, kings, Herod, Pilate, all of these great dignitaries. He bypassed them all and was born in a little shepherd home. Amen. Instead of kings like that witnessing his birth, which kings would come from the east, but instead of Herod and, and, and Pilate and all the other different ones and Caesars recognizing, here he's recognized by the angels of heaven. Now, but what if we'd had another theologian with just a, another chart drawn or another book written by a smart, educated man? In sirs, is this the, uh, the end? Is this the sign of the end, sirs? He said, if, if it says they believe Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, but deny his signs and wonders, that the whole realm of nature believed on him and all the church believed on him by this, how will we know how to prepare? Somebody has come forth with a chart and drew it all out. And somebody has come forth another thing and drew this all out contrary to this one. Did you ever go into a Bible bookstore that's well stocked and see thousands of books? And this one's got his ideas on that, and this one's got his ideas on that, and this one's contrary to that. And you got book upon book and shelf upon shelf of books to go through. And then you have the charts of the end time, charts of, uh, of how things are to be, and this is our idea of how the seals are to be laid out, and this is our idea, idea of all of this. We got it all done, and this is contrary. The other wrote books, and then he writes another, and it's contrary to that one. But God comes in the power of his resurrection, and who's going to speak against it? Amen. If Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, he does the same thing that he did yesterday, today, and forever. And that's what the angels to do is to take them mysteries and turn them loose ends that then people run out on. 
So again, you see, it was, it's not another chart. It's not another book to add to the libraries. It's not another good man and his thinking. It is sent and signified by his angel. Amen. Amen. Now, again, in the breach, Brother Branham talks about this. He said, you talk about a jubilee. You talk about a time when the Lamb walked forth. See, the book's even sealed in heaven. The mysteries are. Is my name there? I don't know. I hope it is. But if it is, it was put on the book before the foundation of the world. But the first thing that's represented, that redemption, come a lamb that had been slain from the foundation of the world. And he took the book, glory, and he opened the book and he tore off the seals and he sent it down to the earth to his seventh angel to reveal it to the people. There you are. Oh, my, what happens? The screams, the shouts, the hallelujahs, the anointing, the power, the glory, the manifestation. Hallelujah. Do you realize what we're talking about? Amen. Not a theologian. Not a man's idea. Not another chart. But the Lamb took the book and loosed the seals and handed it down to the seventh angel on earth. Hallelujah. And when they saw that happening in heaven, amen, what happened? They began to scream and to shout and rejoice. And if that's what they're doing in heaven, what are we to be doing? You're saying the lamb has opened the book. The lamb has loosed the seal. It ought to cause somebody to rejoice. Amen. To worship God. In the days gone by, the voice of God thundered from Mount Sinai as a word was administered by an angel. In Daniel's day, the man Gabriel came from glory to reveal the the divine plan. In Jesus' day, angels descended and announced in the heavens that this day in the city of David, there is a child, a baby born, wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Amen. In our day, our day is no less phenomenal. I know days of miracles are past. I know days of angels is over. I know it's all finished and it's all closed up. That's what they tell us. But that ain't what God says. Come on, church. If the word has got to be restored, it has to be vindicated by God. It'll have to be signed and signified by an angel. In our day, seven angels come from glory revealing the seven-sealed book of mysteries. Amen. Feast of the trumpets. Brother Branham says it this way. The angels of the Lord appeared and told about the seven seals that I was to return back here to Jeffersonville and preach the seven seals. And there, if I ever said anything that was inspired, it was that. There where the angel of the Lord met us and the Bible became a new book. Wasn't the angel wrote a new book? Amen. But the revelation of it made the Bible a new book. Amen. Not the same old thing that come out of denominations and their ideas. Come on, somebody. But the angel Lord met us and the Bible became a new book. There it opened up and revealed all the things that the reformers and things had left out. 
It was complete revelation of Jesus Christ, altogether new to us, but perfectly with the Scripture. That was the Word which has always been, and I was so inspired and directed. As he approached the first seal, he didn't know what they meant. He had preconceived ideas that he had learned of other men. Oh, he was only a seventh grade Kentuckian, but he had read some. He had thought, you know, that sounds really good. That sounds plausible. And he preached sermons. Amen. He talked about, you know, about that white horse rider. He preached it as Christ coming. That's what they all were preaching. That was the understanding. Till the angel came. We all had a lot of understandings till the angel came. He was a man just like anybody else with understanding as a man. As Daniel said, I heard, but I understood not. He was in the same boat as Daniel was till the angel came. Somebody with me? Amen. And he said, I was there. I would, well, I would absolutely today, and I hope the people are spiritual, but I would have a horrible, I would have made a horrible mistake on that if it hadn't been about 12 o'clock today when the Holy Spirit came in the room and corrected me on something I was writing down to say. I was taking it from an old context. I had nothing on it. I don't know what the second seal is no more than nothing. But I had some old context that I'd, of something I'd spoke on several years ago and wrote down and I, I gathered this context and Dr. Smith and many great outstanding teachers I gathered and all of them believed that so I wrote it down. That was the best people know. They were probing at the book. They were, it was sealed with seven sealed but they were trying to get a glimpse. Amen. They were like they were like there was in Daniel's day. Come on. Amen. There was something was written but they didn't understand it. Amen. God had wrote it, but they didn't understand it. Amen. The chancellors and the great men and the teachers and the, and the wise men all come out and everybody guessed. But they didn't understand it until a prophet came. And when a prophet came, what was written, come on, in mystery symbols now became known by the prophet to the people. Amen. Now he could say exactly what these symbols were that was written by the finger of God. God had wrote it with his finger, but they didn't know what it meant till the prophet came because God was sending it and signifying it by his angel. So then he would say, here's what these strange symbols mean. Thou art weighed in the balance and found wanting. Now we know what it said because the prophet came. Because it was revealed to him by the angel. It didn't come from his knowledge. He was no smarter than the rest of them. Come on. And Brother Branham, same way. You know, everybody's guessing. And he says about 12 o'clock in the day, the Holy Spirit swept right in the room and the whole thing just opened up to me. 
there it was with this first seal being opened. And I'm as positive as I'm standing here that this is the gospel truth that I'm going to tell you about. I know, just know it is because if a revelation is contrary to the word, then it isn't revelation. And you know, there's some of the stuff can look so absolutely true and yet it isn't truth. It looks like it is, but it isn't. Amen. But because the time is near, because we're in the end time, God makes sure the end time people understand. What did he say? The wise shall understand. There's going to come an understanding by the angel. Now, Brother Branham would foretell this event by recounting a vision, showing angels coming from heaven came so fast that they were like a blink of the eye. They were so fast, he couldn't even count them. Were there five? No, seven mighty angels. In the vision, he, he, would, he would see himself somewhere um, close to Tucson, there in the desert. And he would reach, be reaching down and picking up a cocklebird from the cuff of his pants. At that time, there would come an explosion that shook the earth, causing the rocks to roll down the mountainside. Remember when the first seal is open, I heard, as it were, the voice of a thunder. Amen. So it thundered there when John wrote about it. It thunders again when it starts opening up. Amen. And he said the blast sounded like thunder overhead, maybe a supersonic airplane breaking the sound barrier. We were breaking the sound barrier. We were breaking the barrier of tradition, the barrier of man's ideas. We were breaking into realms unknown that had been previously unknown before. And my God was breaking a people into a supernatural age, into a supernatural time to make a supernatural people for a supernatural rapture. Now, looking to the west, he would see coming a pyramid-shaped constellation of angels that were growing larger and larger as though they were coming at him at a speed beyond his comprehension. Angels, powerful beings with wings swept back, heads turned slightly, clothed in white armor. And, and, he's, and, and thrust him, rushing from him from the edge of eternity. They come at him so fast that he didn't have the time to count them accurately. There were at least five, no more than seven. Before he could blink his eyes, they surrounded him and lifted him into their midst. This is something that you only read about in the Bible. This is not something denominations tell you their leaders had. This is something only duplicated or replicated in the Bible. This is biblical way. This is biblical doctrine. This is biblical pattern. If it had come the other way, now men would accept it more easily, but it's not God's way. You see, men want to take it because it came with 
the accolades of Dr. So-and-so and studied Bishop So-and-so and study and everybody with their robes on and their tassels on and their caps and whatever, and they're going to give you the, uh, the, the graduate party. But that's not the way God does it. God sends it and signifies it by an angel. In the seventh seal, Brother Branham comes down. He said, you, he said, you notice one angel was, was very notable to me. He said it was the seventh angel. He's to my left in the constellation, the form of a pyramid. In other words, there were, there were seven angels, you know, as, as they were going up. And, and he said, this one angel, the angels took me into the pyramid of themselves, the mysteries of God only known to them. And they with the messengers that come, they with the messengers that come to interpret that pyramid or the message and the secret of these seven seals that lays inside the pyramid. Now I know that sounds like jargon, but if you if we were reading it in context, it wouldn't. Because Junior Jackson had had a dream. And had a dream that Brother Branham had been coming up the side of a mountain. It was shaped like a pyramid coming up to an apex. And he said as he was coming up on it, he was, he was identifying and, you know, and reading and interpreting the mysterious symbols on the side of that mountain. And Brother Branham had been doing that. He had preached the church ages. We know now who the messengers were. Amen. We know now they were ages. Amen. We now know what they, that, that those, uh, some of them um, desolate or extinct or uh, unknown, uh, unmentionable places now today in time. They have no meaning of time. La Laodicea, you might find some remnants of it. Some of the others, a few remnants of it. Some of you can't maybe find anywhere of those seven cities. Are you with me? They have no significance, earthly significance today. They were representing the ages. And we come here to the last age. And we can see now as he, he was coming up the side of the mountain in this dream. And he was explaining all these mysteries. And he gets up and there's something given to him from heaven. Some kind of tool put in his hands from heaven. Now, let me tell you again, it had to come from heaven. No man could give this to him. And he said, on the top was this capstone, and he said, it had to be opened up, and a tool was given to me in my hand from heaven. And he said, I took it, and I ripped off the top of that mountain, and I looked in there, and he said, light had never shown on this before. And then it was a white rock with nothing written on it. So it was a revelation, but we don't know what it means. It's a mystery, but it's never been revealed. Light had never shone on it. Well, there were seven thunders in the Bible. Somebody help me preach now. That light had never shone on it. It had never been revealed to the church. Amen. But those angels, he said, took me into that pyramid or that message of the secret of the seven seals that lie within that pyramid. So he said, there in that dream, it was showing there, I came to the place where light had never shown it. But I'm telling you, that's not our day. Light has now shown on that. 
What was once obscured? What was once held back? What was once silenced? What which was unknown has been made known. It was sent and signified by an angel. Now, so the silence is now broken. I'm so glad we don't have more days of silence. There are those you don't want to go on and say, Brother Tim, we're in the seventh seal and it's silence. No, we're in the seventh seal where it's opened. And when you open it, you open up the silence. It used to be quiet. Don't, don't write this, John. Seal it up. It used to be that. It was for seven ages. Until you had need to know it. You know why? Because God was letting you know where you are. Where you are here in time. Let me explain it this way. You walk into a park. You look up here, up on the sign. And you see the map. Well, it's just anybody's guess as good as yours as to where you're at. You see a map, but where am I at on this map? Is that right? Hey, man, this, this, is, this is the way it was. I, I went with Brother George sometime years ago. We went down to Florida, and we, was, we were looking, you know, going down to his, his mom and dad's place. We missed the highway. He asked me, get the map, Brother Tim. When we come to the stop in the middle of the night, get the map. You know, tell me where we are. I said, we can't. This map won't tell me where we're at. What you have to do is go in that store and ask them, where am I? When you get the answer to that question of where I am, I'll find that place on the map. Then I can get us to Florida. We were lost. We didn't know what age we were in. We didn't know what age, what time, what day, what hour. We didn't know if we got 2,000 more years to go. We didn't know. But what happened? God sent a messenger, and he put his finger on the map, and he said, you are here. This is where you're at. You have now arrived at the last age. Welcome to the last age, little children, because in the last age, it ain't no mysteries anymore. In the last age, you'll know you're in the end time. In the last age, you know you're part of the coming. In the fifth seal, Brother Brandon said, I want to give thanks to him who's omnipresent. And that today, not knowing one thing about that fifth seal, it came in that same mysterious way this morning, about an hour before daybreak. When I was out in prayer, he continued that just a little later and said, dim revelations in the presence of that ball of fire (laughs) hanging there in that room. Oh, brother, although I've seen it since a child, every time it comes near me, it alarms me. It almost puts me in an unconscious condition. You never get used to it. You can't. It's too sacred. In the seventh seal, as he's winding up the preaching of those seals, he says, now you notice the mysterious parts of this week? That's what it is. That's what it's been. It's been not a human being, a man. It's been those angels of the Lord. Again, he said, what it is, it's been the Holy Spirit sending down these messengers, and they've been revealing it to us, 
And then notice how it's dovetailed with the word exactly. And then he says again in the seventh seal to let you know this is the truth. He foretold it about two months or more before it was ever happened. But that when I went west, not knowing it, come back here with the interpretation as he's given it. Now remember in the, in the um, uh, vision, he never told me one thing in, uh, in the vision. When he took me up, I was scared, afraid I was going to die, be killed in an explosion. You see, they could not do it. The interpretation came just as I had need of it. That was in the room. I gave it out just as he gave it. Now, friends, visions don't fail. They're perfect. They're just exactly truth. Now, the vision plus the word plus history plus the church ages and all blended together so I could truly say to the best of my understanding and according to the word of God and the vision and the revelation and interpretation thereof, it is thus saith the Lord. What a blessed people you are that's heard from God. Not from man. God. In the unveiling of God, he said, and think of it, the same pillar of fire that come there, come upon those men that wrote the Bible, is the same pillar of fire today, here today, interpreting the Bible. Amen. And I'll tell you, we thank him for that. Same. What a comfort. What an identification. I'm so glad to be identified in that. I don't know what I'd do. I, I'd rather be identified in that than all the Baptists, Methodists, Presbyterian, Lutheran, all the rest of them identified in that word where that Shekinah glory and revelation lays. Hallelujah. That's why we're not identified in Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian, Pentecostal, any of them. We're identified in the word. Amen. Where that Shekinah glory and revelation lays, where that same pillar of fire that came up on those men that wrote the Bible is the same pillar of fire here interpreting the Bible. You say, well, I think. Well, wait a minute. Is your wisdom greater than the angel? Well, I believe. Well, what do you believe? If it don't agree with this angel, it ain't the word. Well, I don't think it matters, Brother Tim, but what did the angel say? You see, what's the problem is, is there's too many people around that haven't been touched by the angel. You've got to get away from your traditions. You're hearing tradition. You're hearing, them. You're hearing these voices. It don't matter. Oh, that, that ain't the way the world does. I mean, come on, that's archaic. Oh, look at this. You know, you're stupid to believe like that. I mean, come on. You know, the educated and the smart and the intelligent and the girls at work and all of this and everybody else and your peers and so they got all of this understanding and all this knowledge. Where did they get it from? It's a tradition. It's their ideas. Say, Brother Tim, these are your ideas. No, they're not. You say, they're William Branham's ideas. No, they're not. These came from an angel. Now, you've got to get away from your traditions of I'm a Methodist or Presbyterian or oneness. Brother Branham would say, 
He said, let the angel get a hold of you one time. The angel of the Lord that will bring you the truth of the message, let him get a hold of you one time. And you'll humble down to the baptism in Jesus' name. You'll humble down to write to all the rest of it. Yes, you will. You sure will. You'll forget all of these intellectuals. And I'll tell you what, if you ever get touched by the angel, you will never be the same. The Bible will be a new book to you. And what you believe will not be your own ideas. It will have come from the angel. Amen. Because only the angel is right. God is his own interpreter. You know what? God means this. And I don't think God, listen, but what did God say about it? Amen. The Bible said he cannot deny himself. 2 Timothy 2.13. If we believe not yet, he abideth faithful. He cannot deny himself. Doesn't matter whether you believe it or not, God's going to be faithful to his word. You can disagree and fall away and do whatever. He's going to have a rapture anyhow. He'll have a people without spot or wrinkle, without a blemish. Come on, he'll have a people who are changed. He'll have a people who are touched by the angel. A people who know their God, who does exploits. This is why... You know, you can't have the Holy Ghost and do things contrary to the Word. You know, you, you, can't, you argue against holiness. You argue against Bible doctrine, Bible principles. And, you know, and you argue you know, against assembling yourselves together. You make all of these arguments. And that's the very evidence you don't have it. Amen, because, because again, if you ever get touched by the angel, you will humble yourself down to its truths. Amen. Are you with me now? Amen. Now, Brother Branham, would, he had to do the same thing. He had to lay down his own ideas. He had to lay down previous sermons. He couldn't just say, now, nah, I'm just going to stick with what I've always known. He had to change. And you have to change too. Amen. Any argument, anything that comes up against the word of God, you've got you to change to fit the word because you've got to determine the word is right. Maybe I don't understand it. Maybe I can't put it together. Maybe it even goes against science. Maybe it goes against knowledge of man. Maybe it comes against what men's ideas are about this, what the learned scholars said and this and that. But if God said it, you can stake your soul on it. Amen. Now, Brother Branham himself would talk about things that he thought sounded real good to him. And he said, he tells about a conversation that he had with a man he calls Dr. Lee Vale. And he said, he asked me one time what I thought the initial evidence of the Holy Ghost was. And was it speaking in tongues? He said, this has been many years ago. And I said, no, I can't see that. And he said, neither do I, though I've been taught that. So what would you think would be an evidence? And he said, the most perfect evidence I can think of is love. And we got talking about that, and I thought that sounded pretty good. So I just held to that. If a man's got love, 
But one day in a vision, the Lord in a vision straightened me out. And he said that the evidence of the Spirit was those who could receive the word. Neither love nor speaking in tongues, but it's receiving the word. And he says, Dr. Vail said, well, that's scriptural because John 14, when he, the Holy Ghost, has come upon you, he will reveal those things to you that I've taught you and will show you things to come. That's John 14, 26. This is the evidence of the Holy Ghost according to Jesus himself. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and will bring to all things you remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. This is the evidence of the indwelling Spirit of God. Amen. What will he do? He will teach you all things. Amen. He'll be your guide. He'll be your leader. He'll tell you when you're wrong. He'll correct you when you're wrong. Amen. He will convince you of sin. When the Holy Ghost comes, he will not let you live in sin. He will convince you of sin. Say, that's wrong. Repent of it. Amen. That's the evidence of the indwelling spirit. And he'll bring all things to your remembrance, whatever thing I have said unto you. In other words, when you face a temptation, he'll bring the word right up front. So it's receiving the word. Now some men have taken that and reduced the baptism of the Holy Ghost to just a mere confession of the word. I've received the message. I embrace its truth. I received the Holy Ghost when I believe the message. Now that's not message doctrine is taught by the angel. That's Baptist doctrine. Baptist doctrine is uh, you receive the Holy Ghost when you believe. No wonder people can lie, steal, do people dirty. Amen. Pull dirty, conniving, calculating, unfair business deals. All the while claiming to be filled with the Holy Ghost because they've embraced the doctrines of the message. Because they had say, well, I've received it. I say it's true. And yet, you see, they have never received the Holy Ghost since they believed. They believed, and they say the message is true, but it's never changed their life. No wonder then we have people claiming to have the Holy Ghost in the message who can look at pornography. They claim they're receiving the word while they're receiving pornography also. Now, well, but we receive the Holy Ghost when we believe the message. I wonder if you have received this word then. Let's go to Acts 19.1. Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus, finding certain disciples He said unto them, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Now, so so again, in verse 2, he says, we have not so much as heard that there be any Holy Ghost. 
And they asked him, well, how was you baptized? And they had been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, the sacrificed lamb. They weren't identified with him at all. They just believed like the medicine being there, but they hadn't took it. And Paul commanded them to be baptized over again in the name of Jesus Christ, right? And verse 6, and when Paul laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they, what? They spake with tongues and prophesied. So I wonder if you've received this word. As Brother Branham said in the token, and when he did this, the token came upon them, and they were identified by the works and signs of the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues through them and prophesying and magnifying God. They were identified as with their sacrifice. This is why he was like, don't just come this far and say, I believe the message. You obey the messenger. Come into Christ. That's the obedience God wants you to do. Obey the messenger. Come into Christ. Amen. Well, I believe every word said, Brother Brandon, that's good, but that's just being able to read. Take the message. Take it in your heart that you must have the token. The very life that was in Christ being you, when I see that, I will pass over you. Amen. It's the evidence of the Holy Ghost. It's he who can believe the word. You can receive it. Amen. Now, if you believe the word like they did, come on, and receive it like they did, you'll do with the supernatural happening in your life. Amen. It may not be a tongue. It may not be interpretation. It may not be prophecy, but it'll be the supernatural God moving in your life, changing you, transforming you. Are you with me? Amen. It's the evidence of the Holy Ghost. Is he that can believe the word. You can receive it. Then, I want to ask you then, can you receive this word? Question answer 64. Now, the baptism with the Holy Spirit is a definite experience that a person must receive. Amen. So again, did you get a definite experience? If you didn't need to go back and get your verse works done over again. Amen. If the supernatural doesn't take place, there's something still lacking. Amen. Now, you don't shout to get it, but you will shout because you have it. Come on, somebody. It isn't sensation, but it is sensational. As Brother Branham said in the God hiding himself in simplicity, God unfolded himself not in sensation, but you know, sensations yet with it. But you say, but that was before the day before the seals was open. Okay, in, in the sixth seal, he says, "Here, all it is. It is. It is an emotion. The emotion accompanies it." Right. Amen. Amen. Now, again, it is the evidence of the Holy Ghost is He who can believe the word. You can receive it. Then, can you receive this word? And the mighty God unveiled. He said. Now it's right to bring him back exactly like he was at the beginning, the same ministry, the same Jesus, the same power, the same Holy Ghost, the same one that came down on the day of Pentecost is the same Holy Ghost that's manifested today from glory unto glory to glory and is back again in its its original seed with the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the same signs, 
same wonders, same baptism, same kind of people, acting the same way, with the same power, the same sensation. It's from glory unto glory, and the next glory will be changed from this glory into a body like his own glorious body where we shall see him. Well, but it's the evidence of the Holy Ghost is he who can believe the word. You can receive it. Well, then can you receive this word? In time evangelism, the scientific theory of the modern so-called religious groups has tried to prove that this blessed thing that we have called the Holy Spirit is only emotion. See, it just don't stand up according to their scientific theory. I'd like to ask them this. What makes them change? Now, I can hear it sometimes. Brother Tim, you know, your youth camps and your youth services and my, them young people, they get free. Well, every generation has to have their own revival. You had yours. Why would you not have them but theirs? Let them have their revival and get revived with it. Get the starch out of your collar again and remember how it was to be filled with the Holy Ghost, to be unctionized by the angel. Remember how it was for the power of God to move over your life and change you and move there. Come on. Give somebody else an opportunity to have it. Amen. He said, well, I said the thing said these religious groups have tried to believe this blessed thing we have called the Holy Spirit is only emotion. Now, they wouldn't accuse many churches of that today. The Holy Ghost has just been able to read, receive the read. You know, you come down, you confess God sent a prophet or Jesus is Savior, and you got the Holy Ghost, and it's just a dried confession. You just go back on there and live in your sins and do the best you can. That's not the gospel. Amen. The scientific theory of this modern day so-called religious groups have tried to believe, prove that this blessed thing we have called the Holy Spirit is only emotion. See, it won't stand up to their scientific theory. Well, I'd like to ask them this. What makes them change? Come on. Amen. You know, I look around here. What made them change? Amen. What took men who were drunkards or alcoholics or, or dope or womanizers, come on, and all kinds of things, what made them change? Amen. What makes the drunkard stop drinking? What makes the prostitute cease her evil life? What makes the cancer and diseases depart from the people? And the deaf and the dumb and the blind and the dead to raise up. Say, so, well, I ain't ever seen a deaf person here. Here, we've had them happen right here in the church. Come on. Amen. We've had it happen right overseas where the women come around with their hearing aid in their hands and I don't need this anymore. I can hear the shower running in my bathroom. I can hear the children out there playing. I don't need hearing aids anymore because I've been changed in the presence of the angel. Amen. Don't tell me. Amen. I know blind eyes have come open. I know the deaf is heard. I know cancers have been healed. Amen. You can call it just emotion. It's more than emotion. 
Amen. It's a power of God and the salvation. Amen. It has a motion with it. Certainly, Brother Branham said. Certainly. Certainly. I wonder, do you believe that part of the word? Those who say, well, I just believe the message. I just listen. When do you believe this? That it has a motion with it? Certainly. 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 Amen. Are you ashamed of the emotion that goes on in your church, Brother Dale? No. It happens certainly. Every time the angel comes, every time the power of God comes down, every time the Holy Ghost moves, every time the, the healing begins, every time salvation happens, every time the prodigal comes home, amen, we get emotional. Certainly. 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 I hear a prophet say, anything that is alive has emotion. And anything that doesn't have emotion is dead. Excuse the expression, but I think we ought to bury some of this emotionless religion because it's dead. It has no emotion to it. Any religion that has not emotion should be buried. Uh-huh. Because it is emotional. Certainly. Certainly. Amen. And if you got the Holy Ghost, you know that. Certainly. Amen. It's the evidence of the Holy Ghost who can believe the word. Can you believe that word? Certainly. That the promises unto you and to your children, to them that are far off, and as many as the Lord our God shall call. Certainly. Hallelujah. And they got drunk in the upper room. Certainly. And they shouted. Amen. Spoken other languages. Certainly. Amen. They prophesied. Amen. They spoke in other languages. Certainly. That's why Brother Branham could say, I've seen jumping spells and joy spells, but there wasn't nobody hurt. This is the last sermon. One of the last sermons in 64. The mountains rung out. The sun went down. Everything took place, but there was nothing. Nobody hurt. I've seen meetings where the power of God was revealed to people, and they were free from the world, and the things of the world and the joy of the Lord filled the congregation. They stood and screamed and cried and shouted to the top of their voice for the glory of God. I never did see any disorderly. There was always right in order because they had recognized that their name had been written on the Lamb's book of life before the foundation of the world. They recognized Jesus is mine. Jesus is mine. He's mine when I'm weary. He's mine when I'm dreary. He's mine when I'm sick. He's mine when I'm well. And because I got him, I got everything. Hallelujah. Because my name is written. He said, don't rejoice because devils are subject to you. But rejoice because your name is written in heaven. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's the evidence of the Holy Ghost. It's he who can believe the word. Can You can receive it. I'm talking to people who can receive it. Amen. I still got a ways to go. Amen. Keep on with me. Amen. He said, 
there on the day of Pentecost. I want to know, can you receive this word? Then there, that day on Pentecost, that two by four preacher, he stood up there named Peter. And he said, you men of Judea, you that dwell, you men of Jerusalem, you that dwell in Judea, let this be known to you and hearken to my words. These are not drunk, but let me tell you what the scripture said it'll be. This is the light. This is the word being manifested. Hallelujah. What you see happening here is the word being manifested because it's been set and signified by his angel. Amen. Amen. Same things that happens today. They do just like they did then. They walk away. They shake their heads. Let them alone. The blind leads the blind. They'll all fall in the ditch. Amen. Oh, it takes Christ's eternal life to bring the word of God, word of life to the vindication and made flesh. Oh, my goodness. Takes the Holy Ghost to operate the word of God. Amen. When Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now look, Mark 16 is last commission. All the world, all the world. It has never got there yet. All the world preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth in all the world and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. They shall shake hands with the preacher. No. They'll be good church members. No. In my name. They will cast out devils. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. Or they drink deadly things. It won't harm them. If they lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. How far? Every creature. How much? All the world. Till he comes again. These signs shall. He that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. And even greater than these shall he do. For I go to my Father. Hallelujah. You go back in the Bible, Moses was sent and signified by an angel. Amen. Every person born of the Spirit must meet the angel. Come on. Not as a hand-me-down. Not as a second-hand doctrine. But as an experience. The pillar of fire had what Moses lacked. Amen. Until that Moses was a coward. Until that Moses ran from the call. Until that Moses made excuses. Amen. But one moment in the presence of the pillar of fire. Hallelujah. He came out anointed with a mighty angel. Set and signified by the angel. He walked up with a staff in his hand and said, I'm going to take over Egypt. Why? He had become anointed by the angel in the fire. And until you're anointed by the angel in the fire, you're just a dead stick in the water. Amen. But the moment the angel comes, it'll transform your life. It'll empower you as a believer. It'll give you overcoming power to rise up again against the things of the world. Somebody help me preach now. Amen. It'll give you a power and unction. Oh, my, Moses could walk down there. At that time, a call of God. Oh, he knew he was called to be a prophet. Since he was a child, he had been told. Oh, you, you know, you're not of the world, little children. You, you belong to Christ. And, you know, give your heart to Jesus in the Sunday school. You know, joy is the flag flown high from the castle of my heart that the king is in residence there. Make yourself a place there. You're, you're a temple for God to come and dwell in. You've been told that to, since a child, Moses. 
Amen. You've been called to be the bride of Christ. You're told that. You've told your name is on the book of life before the foundation of the world. You've been told that, Moses. Amen. You understand all of that. But in order to really come into his place, he had to meet God face to face. He had to talk with the angel in the burning bush and get anointed by that angel and get set and signified by the angel. No man has a right to call himself thus until he's talked with God face to face on the backside of the desert somewhere where he talked to God himself. All the atheists in the world can't explain it away from him. He was there. He knew what happened. Amen. 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 I, I want you, Brother Joe, you graduated from college. Stand up. Brother Aaron, you graduated from college. Stand up. Brother David Butts, you graduated from college. Stand up. Aaron, you, you, you graduated from college. Stand up. Amen. Did that college empower you? Atheists tried to discourage you and tell you it wasn't right and not to believe on this Jesus. But you was not at the mercy of him that just had an argument. The man's an atheist because he never met God. But you met him. And nobody could talk you out of that angelic visitation. No devil, no devil, no argument, no persuasion could ever move you away. Why? You met the angel yourself. That's what made the difference. Amen. You can have your seats now. Now, no man has a right to call himself a Christian till he's met the angel. I'm not talking you saw a little bit of pillar of fire. I'm not talking you saw a six-foot man walk out of a fire. I'm talking about you come into the presence of Almighty God. Amen. And all the atheists in the world can never explain it away from you. Why? Every Christian has to have that experience. Amen. Because they, before they can say anything about being a Christian. Do you know we've had those who are 40 years in the message, trying to preach the message, and have never met God? Can you imagine we have generations that are raising up that, that have never come into his presence when that's what the angel was sent to do because they have been denied that by because they have taken comfort in, I've just received the doctrine and they become just a Methodist believer or a Baptist believer or just like a, any kind of nominal denominational belief. But I'm going to tell you, friends, there's an awakening going on. Moses had been 80 years. Say, I've been 40 years in the message, brother. Dan. Hey, hey, Moses had been 80 years. He had long forgotten God's promise. Amen. It looked like God had forgotten him. But God never forgets his promise. Let me tell you, when God sends a message, the word will never return unto him void. It's going to accomplish what he sent it to do. If he said, I'll have a bride, and she'll be without spot or wrinkle. If he said, I'll have a supernatural bride, a supernatural race, he's going to have everything he said he would have. He never forgets. He never forgets. 
Oh, I know discouraging words come and people will say, oh, now Brother Bradley's been gone as long as he was alive. He was here 56 years and this year he'd be gone 56 years. He'd been gone just as long as he was alive. You know, all things remain as it was from the beginning, but God never forgets a promise. His word never returns to him void. His Holy Spirit hovers over that word to make it come to pass. And he's going to find, oh, hallelujah, that predestinated elect seed somewhere. Amen. And send an angel to them. Touch him with that angel. Amen. Send him out with a sign. I have met God. I am no longer the same. I am not the same. I don't have a Methodist Bible no more. I don't have a Baptist Bible no more. I don't have a Pentecostal Bible no more. I've got a Bible, a new book. Amen. That has been revealed, sent, and signified by the angel. Moses could then say, I met the angel. I've had an encounter with him. I've been sent and signified by this angel. I'm going to tell you this. We have met the angel. That's what makes us and sets us apart from all the rest. That's why there's a stir going on and people who travel for hundreds of miles to come to a meeting and say, I've got to have what you got. Amen. I'm missing something in my life. I've preached it a long time, but I don't have what I need. And I'm coming because I want to meet that angel. I want to come into that presence. I want to see me sent back, signified by the angel of his presence. Hallelujah. Oh, wonderful. Amen. Brother Branham said, this is good for my nephew. 1965, he talked about his, his nephew, a Catholic boy. I believe his name was Melvin. And he came to Brother Branham. He said, I've been having dreams. Oh, I've been having dreams. I've been having dreams of coming to the church, running the altar where you're preaching, making confession. I've been wrong. Let me tell you, God will get them somehow. You hear of them down in Islam and different other places in the foreign countries where that, where that in the middle of the night, the angel of God comes to them and causes an awakening. Amen. It happens right here. Amen. The angel of God come and stir in hearts. You never came on your own. Come on. The Bible said no man seeketh after God. No, not one. God sought after you. Hallelujah. And he didn't give up on you. Even though that you'd run from him for 80 years like Moses did. He didn't give up on you. That word kept chasing, kept chasing Moses. It was there when he was in the sheep. It was there in the tents of the Midian. It was there everywhere that he went. The angel of God moving, 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 moving until the time. And God's got an appointed time. Your time's different from my time, but we all have our time. Amen. And there God reached out. Oh, hallelujah. Come down to a backslidden man by the name of Moses who'd been whipped out, who said, I can't do it, who said, I'll never be able to conquer, who said, I forgot it, and God's forgot it, and God has given up on his plan, but God had never given up on his plan because he will, his word will not return to him void. Amen. He said, I watch over my word. I water it day and night. Amen. I'm going to make sure it happens in its time and its season. Melvin, he said, been having these dreams. 
He said, Melvin, no matter how, how many Hail Marys you say, how many blessings you get from man, you've got to be born again of the Spirit of God. It's the only thing that will, that will satisfy the human heart. Said, I know they got a substitute today of being born again. Just shake hands with the preacher and put your name on the book. But friends, that's a dogma. It's not the truth. If it were the Acts of the Apostles in the second chapter would have read like this. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, the pastor walked out and shook hands with the preacher. Can you imagine us coming down to that kind of backslidden condition around the message where we just shake hands with somebody and say, well, if you believe the message, you got it. Amen. But said when the day of Pentecost was fully come. Do you know where we're at? Amen. This is the day of all the fully comes, fully coming. So that don't make sense. Well, let me tell you, it was 50 days of Pentecost where that God married Israel upon Mount Sinai. 50 days after the Passover. Amen. Come on, then the Passover comes. 50 days after Jesus died at Calvary, here comes the day of Pentecost. They had had the Feast of Weeks, seven of them. Amen. Seven weeks since, uh, since the Passover. But when the day of Pentecost was fully come. But now we're in another day of fully comes. Because they were only typing this day. Come on. Amen. The New Testament speaks of a bride in this end time. Is that right? Amen. Since the Passover, since Calvary, we have had a feast of weeks of seven church ages. But we've run out of ages. We're here at the end time. And this is a time when the day of Pentecost again is fully come. Hallelujah. There came a sound from heaven. Amen. Here it comes out. Oh, my. This time, what's it doing? Revealing all the mysteries. Showing itself where we're at in the book. Amen. Revealing the plan of redemption. Seven mighty angels stepping out. Amen. In a pyramid form and revealing himself to a prophet, catching himself up, giving him revelation. You know why that? This is Pentecost. This is the Jubilee. That's why heaven began to rejoice when they see the Lamb had moved in heaven to take the book. That's why we're rejoicing in this church. That's why we're gathered like we are because we know the book isn't closed anymore. We cannot meet with Baptist, Methodist, and Presbyterian who preach from a closed book. We preach from an open book where all the mysteries of God are revealed. Amen. This is the day of Pentecost. Amen. This is a time where all of the other acts of the scripture have been pointing and forerunning and speaking of our day and our hour. Is somebody with me now? Amen. He said there when the day of Pentecost was fully come, the inauguration of the church, there came a sound from heaven like a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting. That's how the Holy Spirit came the first time. That's how it comes every time since that time. He's God and he changes not and that stumbles the people. They say that was for another day. But he said he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And every time the church ever received the Holy Ghost, it always comes like he did the first time under the same prescription. Acts 2.38 never has changed, never will change. Like a doctor's prescription for a disease, he'll write it out. 
for a prescription for disease the doctor does and then they take this some quack druggist and he puts too much antidote in it and it's so weak it won't kill won't do you any good he puts too much poison in it. it'll kill you it's got to be wrote just according to the doctor and the doctor's prescription on how to receive the Holy Ghost is given to us by Simon Peter Dr. Simon Peter on the day of Pentecost I'll give you a prescription Repent and be every one of you and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin. Amen. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the prescription is to them that is far off and even as many as our Lord our God shall call. That's the eternal prescription. Hallelujah. I wonder if the Holy Ghost that we, we receive will agree that this right. Brother Brandon talked about it. He said, a church, this is birth pains. He said, when a little baby is born, if he don't start breathing, you spank him a little, he yells out. He said, maybe in unknown tongues. I never understood what any of them said. I remember when, I was, when they were born, I wasn't allowed to be in the hospital room with my wife. But I was standing right outside the door, listening for that first squeal. Amen. It was always unknown tongues. I guess to himself anyway, he said, he's making a noise. And I think if a baby is born just by stillbirth, no sound, no emotion, that's a dead baby. That's what's the matter with the church today, the system. We got too many stillborn children. That's right. They need a gospel spanking, you see. So to wake them up and to bring them to their self so that God can breathe the breath of life into them. Amen. Now, you said that's crude theology, but it's the truth. This is where we're at, church. Listen, the early church was led by a pillar of fire. If the pillar of fire is what brought the gospel in, then the pillar of fire has to be here to take us in the rapture. Come on now. Amen. Now, the, in the Bible, the angel of the Lord would show himself as a cloud by day and a light by night. Wherever the pillar of fire moved, Israel made sure their ten states wasn't driven down so far they couldn't move with it. This has been the problem down to the ages. Amen. The pillar of fire would move and people would build a camp. Amen. The pillar of fire would move on. Come on. Amen. Because it's trying to get them to the homeland of the Bible. So what they would do, they'd driven their stakes down so far they couldn't pull them up and move on. So they made an encampment called Baptist or Methodist or Presbyterian or Pentecostal. Are you with me? Amen. So the same thing. You see, it wasn't a thunderhead of fire. It was a pillar of fire. Where they stopped, where it stopped, they stopped. Where it moved, they moved. The priests will watch for it. I think there needs to be some preachers today watching for the move of the pillar of fire. Amen. Amen. Well, if it was 3 o'clock, they moved. If it moved at 12 midnight, they moved. They packed up when they saw it moving. They packed up and went with it. Amen. They followed that pillar of fire. They kept the will of God by doing that. Now, but what happened? Luther organized his church. Drove his tent stakes down so far. And the pillar of fire wouldn't hang over that. Come on. So away it went. And so Luther and his followers, they couldn't follow it. 
And so it just weakened right down into an encampment. Are you with me now? Pillar of fire moved away from the Lutheran church. Amen. Luther couldn't go because he had all his rituals and everything else. And a little fellow by the name of John Wesley saw it move. Amen. It was a holiness move. He was there. He watched a revival that saved England, saved the United States. Let me tell you, the values that we have in America came from seeing the pillar of fire. Amen. And the Holy Spirit move. Are you with me? Amen. But what happened? They would have George Whitfield and George Whitefield, different ones. They would stand up and they would preach the gospel. Circuit writer preacher. They had a great revival, but they got organized. Amen. Until they got the, you know, until finally it just becomes as cold and starchy as it can be. And the pillar of fire, listen to God's prophet, will not hold over starchy and coldness. Amen. It will not stay over that. Amen. When the, when the pillar of fire moves, you got to move. The old song says, when the Lord gets ready, you got to move. You got to move. You got to move. Come on. Amen. The pillar of fire won't hold over that. He said then the bunch of people called the Pentecostals got it. They've seen it. And away they went. But the sad part of it, they so organized until the pillar of fire is moving out again, and they can't go. Amen. Hallelujah. But he said tonight, here in God's house, where that same pillar of fire is here in the house, right here, because it was the angel of covenant, the Lord Jesus Christ, when he died, he rose again, he lives forevermore, he promised things that he would do, we would do also and greater, and he went to the Father. Is that right? Amen. So again, the pillar of fire is now in the house. The next place is going to be the rapture. Hallelujah. And I want to send notice. I can see the pillar of fire moving again. It's gathered the elect. It's calling in the prodigals. It's healing the sick. It's casting out devils. Come on now. I've seen it cast out devils. I know it casts out devils. Amen. I've had a bow to me ten, seven times and fall and collapse in the floor and the person never go back out into sin again. I know the power of this word. I've seen it at youth camp when a demon there would confront me as I laid my hands on him and anoint him with oil and begin to slap at me and snarl and snap and slap and whatever and could not, do, could not make contact with my body because there was somebody greater that was present than little Tim Pruitt. Amen. Who was trying to hold a bottle of oil like this and keep it from spilling while I'm trying to lay hands on somebody. And there a demon growling and speaking in a beast-like condition. But I saw the power of Jesus Christ bring that thing down to its knees. Amen. And deliver that girl and set her free to serve the living God. Amen. I've seen it happen where peace was spoken to. I know the power of this gospel. I know it healed the sick. I know what it means for the angel to visit my home. Amen. The Passover, a woman there with a brain bleed and her sight come back. Don't tell me.
me God don't heal sight. Her sight came back. Don't tell me God don't heal blindness. Her blindness was done away with. Don't tell me God don't heal a crippled child and bring visions to pass. God did it. It happened. He sent and he signified it by his angel. And that angel is in the camp this morning. Because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Lead the people into their promised land. Hallelujah. Do you believe that? I believe it. Let's stand together and worship God. Hallelujah. 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 You don't have to stay in a backslidden, formal, lost condition. You don't have to continue pulling dirty deals and mistreating people. You don't have to live a dirty double life. You don't have to live where pornography is the diet you feed on, mixed with a little diet from the angel. You can be free. You don't have to have a split personality where you're there and the devil's there too. You don't have to have panic attacks. You don't have to be controlled by fear. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I've been touched by the angel. It was just before Easter. Herod wanted to get a little more glory and fame with the, you know, curry a little favor with the, the Jews. Reached out and arrested Peter. They bad wanted him kept. They put him in the dungeon of the dungeon. They put him with quadrillions of soldiers. They had two at his feet. They had two by his side with chains on his hands. He's chained to them. There's two at the door. There's more soldiers at the other doors. But the devil didn't account that it was just about Easter. We're just about Easter. It was just about Easter. After Easter, I'll get him. After Easter, we're going to kill him. After Easter, but we're going to keep him up till Easter. But we're going to make sure he don't get loose. 
Peter's laying there. The saints go to praying. They go to calling out God. You know, it takes a believing church. You know, there's a lot of things that the devil's planning after Easter. The devil may have plans for you. But he's making a mistake because he's waiting until after Easter. Peter's laying there. The people are praying, oh God, deliver my, our brother. He's bound in prison. Oh, Daniel Williams used to sing a song. Somebody prayed for me. They got down on their knees. They sacrificed their time. They got down on their knees and prayed for me. They had no doubt God would bring me out. Church began to pray. I told you it's a time where God's answering prayers. Some of the prayers you prayed for a long time for loved ones is about to get answered. Some of the prayers you've been praying for healing is about to get answered. This God said, I'll not no longer delay it. I bind myself with an oath. I pledge all of heaven to finish this up and take a people in a rapture. There's some bound with every kind of affliction, every kind of spirit, every kind of work of the enemy. And the devil has made sure he's guarded you well. But he ain't got enough. Because the angel I know can walk right through your depression where a doctor couldn't get there and medicine couldn't touch it. And this angel can walk right into that depression and set you free and pull you out. It's an angel that can walk right down where chemo couldn't touch your cancer and get right down to where that cancer is and bring you out into health. That's the kind of God we serve. Somewhere about midnight, in that midnight hour. Now, Peter's not even worried about it, he's asleep. You know why? Because he says, he's got it all in control. He's got it all in control. He put that reassurance way down in my soul he's got it all 
Peter's laying there. This angel has no barriers. They is in a jail big enough. God bless some brothers down there in, in China who are in prison for the word of God. Think about it. They're privileged people. Counted worthy to suffer persecution for his name. Got people won't stand for truth here and they stood for truth. It reached him right down in the prison. He can reach you right where you're at. Somewhere around midnight, the angel hits him on his side and he wakes him up. You see, sometimes we need an awakening. We're just going on in our sleep and slumber and God's got it all in control and I'm predestinated before the foundation of the world and there's going to be a rapture and I'm going to make it. And God sends an angel to slap you on the side and say, wake up here. Something I want you to see. You're getting a visitation from an angel. He's coming by your way. Come on now. Amen. He woke him up. Amen. Here he, Peter, as he raises up, the chains falls off of him. He says, stand up, Peter. Get up. Follow me. They walk right through. Listen. They walk right through the doors. Every door just opened right up for them. They walk right on through. The devil didn't even see what was going on. Do you know what a party of dismay, crying and weeping and wailing went on that next day when the devils found out Peter was free? Brother, I'll tell you what, one of these days he's going to find out our last change is gone. We're going to step from mortal into immortality. And you talk about a weeping and a wailing. That's the kind of party they're going to have on the earth. A great tribulation. While a bride leaves from here. If I were you, I'd get ready to go. God is sent and signified it by his angel. The Holy Ghost is in your life. You'll believe the word and you'll receive it for your life. It's the time of receiving. God bless you. Amen.